This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I interviewed Casey Gray. Casey is a candidate for the Texas House of Representatives in District 81 um, in Texas. And I also had John on. John is his Bitcoin advisor. Um, Casey's been uh, around, in and around Bitcoin for a while. He's um, former CIA, so, you know, beware. Um, (laughs) I uh, joke with him about that. uh, But um, we talked about Bitcoin. We talked about, you know, politicians getting into Bitcoin. And uh, if you guys know anything about me, I'm not like the biggest fan of uh, politicians. But uh, but Casey seems pretty uh, legit and on on point and um, and, you know, wants to uh, call out all the corruption and the BS um, that he sees going on. So I'd seen I had uh, seen Casey dropping in and out of spaces and thought, let's connect and, and get his views on what he thinks uh, Bitcoin can do for our country and uh, for his state um, and then how the state of Texas might be able to lead us in the right direction, um, because obviously they're one of the freer states at the moment. So we get into all that. I hope you guys enjoy it. Today's sponsor is Coinbase Connect. Do you have questions about Bitcoin? Personalize your learning and book a one-on-one video call with Coinbe- with a Bitcoin pro on Coinbeast Connect. Learn about mining, security, the Lightning Network, DeFi, taxes, and many other topics. It's really easy. Choose your topic and pro, select the date when you're available, and bring your questions to the meeting room. Book your first call today by going to coinbeast.com and clicking on the Connect tab. Be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need. And also brought to you by Movies Plus. Movies Plus is my streaming platform, um, adding new titles all the time. It, just go to the app store, search Movies Plus, or go to mymoviesplus.com. You guys can sign up for a free 30-day trial. No code or anything required. Just free 30-day trial. Check it out. Let me know what you guys think. Adding lots of content, Bitcoin content, podcasts will be going up soon. So. You know, we're integrating a lot of things. If you want to reach out to me, my Twitter handle is at Corey underscore Tusik. The show handle is at Bitcoin Simply. And you can email the show Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. So you guys are not to dox you, but you're both in Texas, obviously. Both things are a little different down yep. there, right? The greatest they country are. in the U.S. <laughs> things are are normal here people have uh are living their lives i saw on joe rogan i think um who was it uh tom segura he was on rogan's podcast and he was talking about how coming from california to texas and like when they went out or something to like a, a soccer game there was like a little bit of anxiety at first for them and then they were like Oh, okay. No, we can we can sit here and and live our lives and you know survive, um, you know all that crazy stuff. So, I'm in Pennsylvania. We're yeah. I uh, have, so I have a. Uh, I lived out in California when I was on active duty in the military and working with the DOJ. And when I retired, I moved back home here to Texas. And I have a son that still lives there in Malibu, and he's here with me now. And as soon as he gets here, you know, he has the mask on the whole thing. And, um, you know, I tell him, take that face diaper off. You don't need that in this state. And it's just like a blow away to him because we're in the airport walking around with no masks on. We're, you know, doing our daily lives. It's just normal here. And, you know, you get, you get small things 
like John knows in Austin, there might be little, little pockets here and there, but you know, we believe in freedom here and it's personal choice. If you, you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. We're not going to make fun of you for wearing it. You know, it's a personal choice. Yeah, no, I, that's how Pennsylvania kind of became. I, I like to focus on Pennsylvania being the Keystone state. You know, it's our nickname, but um, I feel like if we let things from the Northeast seep down into the rest of the country, we kind of are like that cog that like to catch everything and make sure. And, and so last May we had a vote um, where we restricted the governor's power to, he used to be able to do emergency action, uh, our authorization, whatever it was, uh, to lock people down. And he used to be able to make that last for uh, 90 days. And then he could extend it in perpetuity without anybody saying anything. Um, and there was a referendum to the constitution of Pennsylvania. And we uh, voted on it overwhelmingly to limit his powers to 14 days uh, emergency action. And then after that, he'd have to get to extend it. He'd have to get both houses of uh you know government to uh to approve it which is never going to happen um so you know it's just it was a great uh, a great sta- way for you know us to stand up for freedom and and really uh you know put a stake in the ground and say no we're done like this is this is ridiculous and um and i guess casey so that's why you know we connected because um you know, so you're a political candidate and my civics teacher is going from high school is going to kill me. But so you're not run, You're running for state senator. Is that right? Uh, I think you might be muted. I'm running for state representative, the state house of representatives. So you'd be a legislator. OK, so for the state of Texas, not for like not in D.C. Yes. Yes. State of Texas. Okay. And so I noticed you popping into some Bitcoin spaces and, uh, you know, obviously there's been this push to get uh, politicians focused on Bitcoin. Uh, what got you interested in it and what's your background with Bitcoin? <laughs> so this, this goes back to 2009, 2010, when I was working for the CIA, we were discussing blockchain and things that are happening. And it just so happened we have uh, operation centers and I was working in the operation center at the time. And a guy sitting next to me, he served in the military with me. And he mentioned that uh, he said, Hey, can I borrow a hundred thousand dollars? And, you know, we were making decent money at the time. And I kind of laughed and I was like, yeah, sure. What do you need it for? He goes, I'm going to invest it in this thing called Bitcoin. And he starts reading me Satoshi's whole thing. And I'm, I'm just looking at him and I'm thinking, man, this guy's lost his mind. And he goes, no, seriously. He's like, I'm going to put your hundred thousand and my hundred thousand into it. And then in one year, I'm going to give you a million back. And then the deal's off, you know, you do your thing with your million. And I go, I told him, I was like, man, you're absolutely crazy. Um, I know you're, you get these wild ideas. So to just without getting into a lo- a longer bit of that story, he's living in Puerto Rico right now and uh, not a concern in the world. And I'm living in Texas. So we know how that worked out. So I, I guess I, it, he got in at the price at like what, 10 cents. Yeah. So he, he uh, jokes with me a lot. You know, we talk every day almost and he messages with me and keeps me up to date about what's going on and, you know, what's happening in Puerto Rico and 
great advisor of mine. Um, I've always, since then, you know, since the beginnings, I've known about Bitcoin and been interested in it. I've stayed within it and um, super interested, always more on the side of the blockchain and the purity of it, because I'm a huge constitutionalist. So I believe in our constitutional rights, our God-given rights, and I'm against any type of corruption. What I saw Bitcoin and started understanding what it can do and how it I keep saying this word. I don't know. You guys can correct me if you don't like it or tell me I need to change it. But I, I tell people I look, I see purity in it. I see the ability to go back and analyze it from the beginning. Like each transaction is documented. There's no hidden agenda here. You can't fake it. You can't double print it. You can't. It's it just pure to me in the sense of money. When I, the well, way I, I think that's a good way to, I think that's a good way to put it, JC. It's pure and it's honest. It's an honest system. You know, when you really start yeah. understanding our current economic system, you realize it is the most dishonest system we have in this country. And if you look at all the dishonesty we have in politics and all the dishonesty we have in government as a whole, I really think all that is downstream of the money. And that's something, you know, where I first heard Casey talking on these spaces. He's a guy that gets it. He's a guy that believes in the Constitution. He's a guy that believes in individual liberty. When I first heard Casey talking about this, I'm like, this guy's a politician, but he really is a Bitcoiner. He completely understands the value proposition of Bitcoin just for human freedom and for fairness. And uh, after hearing Casey talk in these speeches, I was like, this is a guy that we absolutely have to support as, uh, as the Bitcoin community. Yeah, yeah. No, it's this, it's really about that. Go go ahead, Case. Yeah, some of the you know, I can give you some examples of uh you know, I did serve in the military and special operations. I spent a significant of time in several different countries, but um you know, something that during my time in Iraq that and you know, the, these are my let me base this. This is my humble opinions. This is not the opinion of the CIA. This is not the opinion of the U.S. Navy. This is not the opinion of the U.S. Army. This is my humble opinion. I, I watched things happen, and the first thing I saw happen was um, leaders in the Middle East talk about switching from the dollar back to the gold standard. And as soon as this happened, you know, I'm watching from the diplomatic side that they went from allies and friends of ours, whether it be on secret back networks, to enemies of ours. And it went in a snap. So if you pay attention to what happened, you put your intellectual thinking cap on and, you know, notice I didn't say conspiracy theories, your intellectual thinkers. You look at what happened. Saddam went back to the gold standard and immediately things started to change as our view of him. You look at the Kuwait war with Iraq and Iraq didn't invade Kuwait to do collateral damage. They drove straight into Kuwait. They raided their Federal Reserve. They took all their gold. They turned around and went back to Iraq. It was a raid on their reserve for their net wealth. So when you start to look at these things, why are, what, what would possibly make things like this happen? And I was younger at the time. I was more gung-ho about military action, which brings up, you know, to me like a, a great thing that if you guys haven't read it you know this book war is a racket by mm -hmm. medley butler I teach you a lot about you know i'm big on history if you know your history you prevent a lot of problems because history repeats itself and we have repeated ourselves in this 20-year war that i've participated in going back 100 years ago and when medley butler talked about the same exact thing happening in 
who the corrupt people were in this event. So we talk about all of this. You see the that raid. Um, when I was in Iraq, I watched us, you know, land on the airfield pallets of hundred dollar bills that we dumped and we exchanged to the country of Iraq for them to be on the, you know, have the dollar, but all of their gold, what do you think happened to it? You know, it's know, a rhetorical it question. <laughs> so hmm. they got, they got a pallet full of or a plane full of fiat money that they store in a building that they put lives around to guard it. Well, that building was raided and that money disappeared. All of that fiat paper money disappeared into the wild. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things that go on here. You start thinking about, but this gets back to why am I bringing it up in this discussion? If we transferred and we we were uh, honest about it, we were giving transferring something that had backing, that had um, value, and that couldn't be corruptible. We would have tra- we could have transferred them that money in Bitcoin. If we would have done that, there is a way to track that from one account to another. There's transaction periods. It's an honest transaction. When you give people dollars, it's not an honest transaction. And, you know, I try to talk to people about this when you take a million dollars, you put it in your safe. You know, you believe, and I believe you believe you have a million dollars. You know, we can all agree on that. But as inflation goes at 30% per year and it's skyrocketing up, is your million dollars, does it still have the same buying power each year? And, you know, the answer is obviously no. It decreases by about 20%. So you got two scales happening, one on your left dropping and one on your right raising. If you're invested in paper money, you're losing. You're losing every day. And why are you losing? It's because governments manipulate the dot. Well, let me go back not governments, a private company, the Federal Reserve, there are bureaucrats manipulating the dollar and what its value is. So everything's changing while houses are inflating, cars are inflating. And in Texas, let me give you a great example. I bought a Dodge truck back in 2007, my first quad cab Dodge Ram thing was about $50,000. 2012, I bought a new one. It was about $60,000. Today, the same Dodge truck that I bought in 2012 is $128,000. So if I had that same 60 Whoa. grand that I, that I bought in the bank back in, that I paid for that truck in 2012, in 2020, it's different, right? Now, my point with Bitcoin, we invest that same $60,000 in Bitcoin in 2012. Where would I be today? I wouldn't just be buying a truck, would I? You'd be buying a whole lot more. That This is my point. Yeah, regardless of the ups and downs of that Bitcoin curve, like if you look at the graph, you know, from the beginning to the end, we're going up. It's a solid investment. It's pure. It's true. And it's working. And this is why I'm so heavily invested. I try to educate people. And I'll, I'll break here in a second after this point for John. But the reason that I'm so interested in this is because when I tell you on the left, the dollars and the safe, that's the middle class and the lower class throwing their hundreds in a shoebox, betting on their future for their retirement. And then you got guys over here that are throwing money into Bitcoin instead of the shoebox because they're having a little bit of trust, a little bit of faith. 
their shoe box is a lot bigger. It's up here. This shoe box keeps decreasing. So in my opinion, we're eliminating the middle lower class. Not we. People <clears throat> manipulating currency are eliminating the middle lower class. And we need to educate them and we need to stop it before it's too late. I'll give it back to John. Yeah, no, Casey, that's a great point, man. And uh, everything you're saying is spot on. That's why I believe that Bitcoin is an American issue. Sound money is an American issue. This is not a right or a left thing, right? If we have a corrupt system of economics and we have a system that is fair and honest, people should agree on this, both right, left, center, libertarian, everyone should agree on this. Uh, to Casey's point, if you look at this through a conservative lens, you know, there's there's a high distrust of government. I have a high distrust of government. I don't want the government in my life any more than they need to be. Bitcoin gives gives me a, fin a financial system that I can be independent of the government and I'm not reliant on this corrupt system. So from an individual freedom standpoint, it gives me a lot of freedom. But to Casey's point of just, you know, the economic injustice and unfairness that's, that's occurring around the world right now, um, but it's very pronounced in the United States right now. You know, that's that's typically a progressive issue when we talk about wealth inequality. And I think Bitcoin should be a progressive issue as well. They just haven't embraced it. And so when Casey talks about inflation killing the poor and middle class, I mean, it is absolutely destroying the poor and middle class. So you can see from 1971, from when we went off the gold standard to now, uh, the wealthy have continued to get wealthy by no more production in the economy, just simply owning assets because those assets keep increasing in value. And for the poor and middle class, they don't own assets. So with quantitative easing and the production of easy money, if someone holds assets, those assets just keep going up in value over time and wages do not keep commensurate pace with those asset values. So, you know, when I hear Casey talk about this, yes, he's a Republican, but he understands this from a human rights standpoint that you know, both both lower and middle class are absolutely getting decimated by this this system of corrupt money. I think Bitcoin fixes this. And I think probably everyone on this call agrees that it's a human right, that you have a vehicle that you can store your economic vibrancy into the future. And right now for the poor middle class, they don't have that. So that's that's something that Bitcoin can fix as we move forward. So I'm excited about it. There's a lot of politicians seeing it. And uh you know, when I first heard Casey talking about this on our first basis, I was just, uh, I was very excited to see that we're, we're making a lot of progress on this front. Um, yeah, and the, the reason to answer your question, Corey, about why you see me in these spaces, it actually had nothing to do with Bitcoin specifically. I mean, and it, do, it does in the sense of I wanted to protect the, what I say, our community in Bitcoin. I came in with no, this is before I was even running for office. I came in and I wanted to warn people to be careful of politicians. And, you know, if you guys, you guys may have heard me speak of this. I was trying to educate people on how the Patriot Act is a huge thing to me. Um, Patriot Act is unconstitutional. It violates, I mean, it was brought up during a time of possible need. I'm not really sure. We did need it, but it was brought in, and now During it's a lot being of panic. used for. Yeah, now it's being used for a tool against everyday people, and which it wasn't intended for. So, the whole point that I brought up Patriot Act was when you question a future politician, ask them, "Hey, do you support the Patriot Act?" And for the most part, you get these people that are like, "Oh, yeah, that's a talking point for my candidacy, and I'm pro." 
military, pro-government, you know, anti-terrorism, they're just going to say yes because they don't really know too much about it. Well, then the second follow-on question is, do you support Bitcoin? And if they say yes to both of these, then they're lying to you. They're dishonest. You can't support Bitcoin while also supporting the Patriot Act. It's, they're not synonymous. They're complete opposites. And the Patriot Act is not pure. It's, it's not, it's, it is corrupted. It is, there's a violation of constitutional rights. And the opposite, Bitcoin, one, I believe it's very similar to our revolutionary war, like the constitution. It's like a digital constitution, if you will, and that it protects rights. It gives you clarity, which the founding fathers wanted. They wanted, you know, your due process rights. You have a right to, you know, challenge your accusers. There's a ton of things here. You have a right, you know, a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is the per- perfect vessel to assure that that happens. You know, and even Michael Saylor talks about this a little bit when he talks about the storage of your passcodes and, you know, cold storage of Bitcoin. And, no, you know, my big issue with like the Patriot Act, say, uh, Corey and John, you guys are doing business and the government decides that they don't like you anymore and it's competition. All they do is lock all your bank accounts out. They do a FISA court hearing. They lock your accounts. Every single thing you own is done. You can't go to a bank. You can't use a debit card. You can't travel. Your passport's locked. Everything, you're, you're done on an, not, not even proof. There's no due process. You didn't get a chance to approach your accusers. It's done. Bitcoin's different. You know, just like the Jews, during the time of Nazis, they grabbed, what, 10% of their belongings and they left with them, with them, all of their finances and taken them. The government, which at the time was the Germans, they took their possessions. Modern day, we have the ability to prevent, if we go back, you might have talked about this, go back and pay attention to history. We've watched it happen before. How do we prevent it in the future? Bitcoin is the solution. You can walk away with all of your value on a hard drive. The past going ahead, anyone stops you, try to take your value. Can they physically take your hard drive? Yeah, maybe, but is it worth anything? Nope. The only, the, what, the, the value is in your head and your passcode. And unless you give that up, you know, they can torture you. They can jail you, but if they kill you, they don't get it. They yeah, Casey, it's a, it's, you know, they it's a great point, man. They completely, and that's what they can't take it. You know, you. Sorry, I think we had a little bit of a lag there. No, all good. I was just saying it's a great point. It completely changes the relationship yeah. and the ident- dynamic between the individual and the state, where. When you have a monopoly of money, you have complete control over the citizenry. And that's, in fact, something the founding fathers deeply warned, warned about was central banking. You know, this is one thing they talked about ad nauseum, never allow there to be central banking, right? Because it perverts the balance of power between the individual and the state. And Bitcoin really gives, gives that back to us, um, to Casey's point. And I really see a future where instead of living in a jurisdiction because they say you have to live here and we control all your assets, we control all your, uh, your medium of exchange and all your wealth, 
Bitcoin gives you gives you the ability to be a customer again, right? And so if you look at competition, anytime you have true competition, and that's true for governments, when governments have to compete for citizens, it's going to make for a more honest relationship between citizens and their government. And I'm, I'm wildly bullish on the future just because I think we're going to be going into a period where, you know, governments will be offering services to their citizens because citizens will move the whole sovereign individual thesis I think we're going to see play out. What do you guys think? Yeah, and this was the this was the point of the Constitution in the first place. The Second Amendment came along. There, you know, your first, second, third, fourth, it's gone. But the whole point is that the government shall fear the people, and the people shall never fear, fear the government. And right now, I'm telling you, I'm I'm in fear of the government I worked for every day. I'm I'm in fear that the IRS or whatever reason they're going to be like, you know what, we're going to put a hold. And I have a personal experience where I was going through a child custody issue back in 2011, 2012. I went to dinner with a group of lawyers, a friend, their personal friends. And we did a thing where every, there's three of us, you know, you, every third time you paid for dinner for everybody. So it was my turn. I pulled out my wallet, threw my card down. It got declined. I pulled out my debit card, threw it down. It got declined. I pulled out my second credit card. It got declined. Every card I had was declined. And I, I was like, hey, let me run and call a bank. I had money in the bank. The bank had a, the state put a whole a lien on all of my accounts, locking them until the court had a hearing on it. And it was completely unconstitutional. I didn't end up suing the state. It got reversed and they unlocked them. But just the ability you know, it was like I was living in a movie and I was so, it was so embarrassing, you know, that someone else ended up paying for it and it was, you know, it worked out, but man, fuck, that was embarrassing. And it just gave me that taste of government that I fear so much and that I fear for everybody on it. You see it happening all the time and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. I mean, they're at the point where, you know, I say this, you have to be careful because, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you know, being in the CIA, um, that they probably have recorded, they probably flagged me because I'm a Bitcoiner and there's probably a file <laughs> on me somewhere um, that says I'm a potential threat, even though I'm like the most non-threatening person in the world. But, um, you know, I, well, I say on that, that point, on that point, let me be real clear that the only reason people give the agency credibility or federal agencies in general is because of movies. It's more embarrassing if you had the inside look. Like if they did a documentary on it, you'd be like, "Holy shit, that's bad!" Like but, they don't have that much know, control. <laughs> it's still good street cred. The bull- no, it's, it's not, I can't get a, into it. But I'm just they're still you. they're still using Microsoft, the uh, uh, like the old word processors. <laughs> they're sitting there typing like it's not even connected uh, to the internet. Yeah, I, I hope that's the you're, case. You're so. not joking. You're not far off. Well, the, one of the things I always said with um, like a, my streaming platform that I told you guys about, Movies Plus, um, me and my partners on there were talking about it, and we all agree. We said the founding fathers would be, they would be, you know, sick to their stomach. They would be appalled at the fact that the average citizen doesn't have access to a tank, because you know when people say, oh, you know, they came up with the Second Amendment when there were muskets, and you know, like they don't use muskets anymore, and it's like, no, they wanted the people to have equal power to the state. They right. they wanted, I mean, they had cannons. You know what I mean? Like the the founding fathers had cannons 
to fight the government. They had equal arms with the government. And so it's amazing how it's, you know, come it's whittled down to this on the second amendment where it's whittled down to this thing of like, how many bullets do you need to kill a deer? It's like, what? Whoa, whoa. We're not talking about killing deer here. We're talking about protecting ourselves, protecting. And so what I like about Bitcoin is that it, it, it eliminates the need for that protection. If you start to apply it into different, you you know, you know, guns don't matter. They can't take your Bitcoin with guns. Yeah, to, to your point, I, I love that point because Bitcoin is asymmetric defense. You know, you have a miner in Mongolia or a miner in Uzbekistan defending your wealth, right? So it puts your defense outside of your jurisdiction. And I love that point you make because I'm a peaceful person too. I believe in freedom and I believe in fairness, right? And I think both of those things are very much broken right now. The thing I love about Bitcoin, to your point, is it's asymmetric defense and you have people from around the world defending your livelihood. And it's and it's a it's a vote of no confidence against this current system. And it's a peaceful vote of no confidence against this current system. Right. So, you know, the way I look at it, you know, um, if people aren't distrustful of the government and, you know, going into 2022, you're just not paying attention. I mean, our rights are being taken on a daily basis. I mean, if you look at just the censorship of any truth that gets out there that goes against kind of the corporate government mainstream narrative. It's alarming. And uh, that's why I love what you're doing with, uh, you know, this decentralized streaming stuff and my venture capital firm, you know, that's really what we're looking to do is invest in the broader ecosystem on top of Bitcoin. We believe in free, like a fair economic system, which is Bitcoin. But we also believe in freedom of speech. And, you know, I really see that being eroded very quickly. So that's one thing we're looking at. We're looking to invest in these type of platforms. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're working on this, um, I'll leave my Twitter handle at the end of this. I would love to get in touch with you guys. But we're looking at DeFi on top of Bitcoin, Sovereign, things like that. But we're very interested in, you know, immutable um immutable social media where people can still tell the truth and the truth is not being censored. So I, that's what I love about the things you're doing, Corey. So keep that up. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, um, I think it's, you know, just so crucial to, to find a way, you know, cause Bitcoin, it's, the, it's this thing we all say, Bitcoin fixes this, Bitcoin fixes everything. Um, but when you get down to it, it really does. And, you know, like, so this isn't me just clear clarifying for your colleagues at the CIA. This is not me calling into question anything that happened with elections. What I'm saying is that there is a way to have a provable ledger of voting systems in the future. Absolutely. So, so Bitcoin actually so fixes I'm, that. I'm a hundred percent on board with you on that. I, I think it should be the case because, you know, there's a way to, use blockchain to do that and i you know i'm openly against the uh, election fraud and i do believe it occurred i'll publicly state that uh, you know it's just you put your intellectual thinking cap on and there's just too many questions out there that are unanswered and too met too much happening so to go from a baseball perspective i've been saying it. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say conspiracy theorists have been batting about 450 for the last, you know, two years. Yeah. Pretty, their batting average is pretty good, but go ahead. Well, and I tell people that all the time. That's why I don't call people conspiracy theorists. I call them intellectual thinkers because every major government scandal that has occurred was brought out by a conspiracy theorist, you know, the intellectual thinker who was just paying attention to what was going on and, you know, that's a whole disinformation scheme is when you start to get onto something that they start calling you a conspiracy theorist. They start 
making you seem fringe, you know, that you're on the spectrum of crazy and that people can't, they try to make you distrusted. You know, and this is what I hate about government because, you know, we're even news media, news media should be pure and trustworthy and represent the facts and not, you know, their journalistic bias, but that's not what we get. We get a swayed point of view. We get lobbying that happens. We get, and this gets back to the whole anti-corruption scheme of why I support Bitcoin. Um, You know, I can't stand corruption in any sense. Like even when you talk about smaller governments, I go in meetings and you see people trying to do backdoor deals to ensure that they stay in office and that, you know, you do this for me, I'll do quid pro quo. And I'm against it all. I'm, you know, it's not the way our country was founded. It wasn't what we believed in. And if you're doing that, you're part of the problem. So I'm looking for solutions to these problems. I'm looking to call the people out that are, are committing the fraud. And we as a group, you know, like if there's someone in, in a Bitcoin community, obviously this happens that is doing anything sketchy or, you know, the snake oil salesman, it, it, it burns through quickly, right? You're labeled, people know who you are. And oh yeah, they crush it. Be. Yeah, and I like I like to see it. You know, I get on some of these Bitcoin podcasts that I get messages from people, and they're like, "Man, I can't believe you're in this certain room with these people." You know, because you know I go to all kinds of them. Too toxic. But I like to listen to them, man. They're your they're yeah yeah they're they're your ground troops though, and you they talk, man. They don't hold anything back. They they're yelling at each other. It's like unhinged, but. I learn a lot from it because I see like the thought processes where, where their perception on what they believe is coming from. And they explain it and they've been very kind to me. They've never, no one's been an asshole. I mean, sometimes they, they joke about the CIA and me being in the room and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I have to explain. They just say there's a spook in the room. Everybody watch out. Yeah. And you know, I'm not trying to, to demask any of these guys or find out who they are. I just, I like, what they're doing this is like cove comms their ability to mask themselves use vpn you know i support it all and i've i've actually met a lot of good people that reach out to me and even on the voting issue um there's a certain person that reached out and gave me like a whole thread on her solution to voting integrity and it's right on board with what i believe and it's intelligent it's uh clear and i like those outside the box solutions well, that's, that's, that's the great thing too, uh, Casey, is with Bitcoin, you know, it's not just money. You know, yes, we can have an honest economic system. Yes, we can have an honest system of communication. Yes, we can have an honest system of voting. You know, I don't have an opinion on the voting one way or another. I'm just not educated on it. But what I do know is that we have an immutable ledger that can, cannot be compromised, that cannot be changed. We have that technology right now, and no one's trying to put this forward on a, on a meaningful sense, like at a national level, right? Like, why would that not be? And so, you know, I, I really think that we get a lot of pushback on this honest system. We talk about toxic Bitcoiners and how, you know, people come to Bitcoin, they're like, oh, everyone's so toxic. They're uncompromising. There can be no compromise. This is a system that we, we cannot allow to be corrupted, that we cannot allow to be t- taken over. You know, I've been in this space for seven years now, and it, and it is the toxic Bitcoin community that has saved Bitcoin from all these takeover attempts by charlatans and wealthy individuals and even wealthy people and the biggest corporations within the Bitcoin ecosystem. It truly is 
the loud people you see in the Twitter spaces that are constantly annoying, but they believe in this. And so, you know, I, I really say that, you know, the toxic Bitcoiners are the immune system for Bitcoin and Bitcoin would have collapsed without that toxic element of the community. And so I hope they never change. I know. I agree. I'm, I'm full. Like, you know, because you, they're also, then they become a good inner voice for yourself as a Bitcoiner whenever you're thinking of ideas and things you want to put out there and you're like, wait a minute. No, like I would get, you know, they would crap all over me for that idea. And there's a reason that they, <laughs> right. they're not just being mean, you know what I mean? They're, they're right. doing it with a purpose. And, and like you said, it, it interesting. I had a thought whenever you said how, you know, there's no compromise and it's like, you know, we're talking about consensus and there is no compromise on the blockchain. There's no compromise exactly. with, Bitcoin, they don't compromise with each other. Like, well, I think, you know, I'll give you that transaction and then you give me this one. doesn't work that way. It has to be a consensus. And, um, and I think that there's something there with the truth because something that's been weighing on me lately is the fact that just like the telling the truth is there's no punishment for it for lying, you know, like for lying and not telling the truth, there's no punishment for it anymore. Um, It's actually becoming morally accepted um, and I think that is degrading our society. And then you have something on the other side of that, which is Bitcoin, and it is ultimate truth. There is no way. And I think that's why I'm so attracted well, to it, because you can't is, falsify it. This is a point, you know, I like to make, too. Like you get into local governments, right? And state governments that embrace Bitcoin. Like, let's just say, for instance, you pay your property taxes in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. There is a undeniable pure built-in tracking system for what you paid when you paid it who you paid it to there's no questioning it right and who's the greatest criminal of them all is the irs so when you start talking about the irs i I love the analogy that the irs agent comes to you and says hey you owe me your portion and you say well how much do i owe you and they say i'm not going to tell you but if you get it wrong, you go to prison. So now <laughs> right. here you're left with, well, shit, how much do I owe this guy? And if I get it wrong, so what do you do? Because people are have anxiety. They're afraid of the IRS. They overpay. And that's why the IRS does it that way, because they're looking at the, and I don't want to make sure that I don't make this a negative thing when I say the um, ignorant, because it's, it's not, I'm not saying you have, you're, you're an ignorant person. You just lack knowledge of how the system works. It's the ignorance of the paperwork, the IRS. And I'm ignorant of it. And then there's fucking uh, a room. It wouldn't go to my 20-foot ceiling back here of paperwork that you could be able to read to understand. You got to hire a lawyer. You got to make sure that they decipher it. And then even they get it wrong sometimes and get audited. But it should be a simple system. And I'm not getting into tax code and all of that. But the simple system of payment. Look, I paid you in 2010 this much. Here's the, there, I don't need to keep a digital receipt anymore. I don't need to keep a paper pile. You know, it can be audited. It's right here. This is what I paid. This is when I paid it. This is you who took it. This gets back to the whole government in general. If we had an honesty system like that, it would end corruption. There would be no more BS of us paying, you know, $850 for a hammer it'd be like, hold on, who, who paid $850 for a hammer and who did, who took that $850? So, and then we can look at the person that sold that $850 to our tax system that taxpayers paid for. We can hold them accountable. 
Like, why are you selling hammers to me, to us at $850 a piece? How is this acceptable? And that's where these, we talk about the toxic Bitcoin crowd. Those guys would destroy people on that. You know, they would tear it up. But this is where I see the whole economy being part of it because we start to hold each other accountable. And then we start to see these transactions that clarify, it cleans out all of this mess of, you know, quid pro quo systems in the government. It, it makes it very clear down to the city level when your city starts paying, you know, accepting these things for sewer, water taxes, property taxes, schools. We, where's my money? Where's this money going that the school has an account? Let's see their transactions. And the base level guy can get in there and see all these transactions, right? So I don't know. It's just my, my ideas are, I know they're bigger. I, I'm looking at it on a grander scale of anti-corruption, but that's where I, my future, where I want to see it go. I want to see the purity that I talk about grow on a scale where it starts to blind out all of the corruption. Well, to your point, Casey, that's a good point. But if you look at it, I mean, Bitcoin has been fighting the most powerful ent entities since its inception. Big media, big banking, all the politicians. There's a reason they don't want Bitcoin to succeed because they can't grift anymore. They can't co-op this system for themselves. It's an honest system. They don't want an honest system. And so, you know, these toxic Bitcoiners, I mean, there's a reason there's no compromise because Bitcoin is... I liken it to a lighthouse in an ocean of lies. It, it will, you, will, you will get the truth on the Bitcoin network, right? The other thing that's got me concerned is just, um, you know, how everyone is, you know, railing against capitalism. Now there's this socialist movement in the United States, communist even to an extent. And a lot of people are talking about how capitalism has failed. The thing that concerns me the most is, we don't have capitalism in this country. We haven't had capitalism for 40 years. And the reason is, we have a fiat money that is controlled by a small portion of people. You know, the Federal Reserve is a private institution that controls our money. And what they do with it, when they print that money, they loan it out to the elite and the wealthy at zero cost. They then put in assets, which exacerbates wealth inequality. That is not a capitalistic system. That is, in fact, a socialistic system where you have government in control of the money. So you cannot have capitalism. When you have a free market on the goods and services side, but the entire other half of the equation is controlled by a small group of people. To have true capitalism, we yeah, have to have a free market money. We have to have a money that is capitalism. chosen by the free market. Otherwise, you have this, this inequality and corruption that's occurring. I understand why people are looking at this saying, you know, that don't understand the system. They're like, well, we need socialism because capitalism has failed. This version of capitalism, and it's not capitalism, I, I liken it to, I just call this crony socialism uh, within the government. The reason we have the wealth inequality, the reason we have these problems is that centralization of government control. We have to get back to a free market money if we are ever going to have fairness in this country for the poor middle class. And so when I look at it from a left-leaning perspective, the left should be embracing this more than anyone, but they're not. And this is where you know, we need a lot of education on this, but, you know, I think we have a fair system that, you know, anyone should be able to agree upon that. Yeah. And I think moving towards yeah, that, we, we call that in the political realm. What's that Casey? We call that the political, political realm. We call that in the political realm, the crony capitalism and everyone's aware of it. They know what's happening. And the politicians, specifically congressmen and senators that get in, they're the ones that are controlling this because 
then they get involved with this crony capitalism. They get involved with the Federal Reserve, the people giving them the money. And then you get people going from a net worth of 500,000 to a net worth of, you know, 40 to 400 million net worth that are sitting politicians making 173,000 a year. It's not hard to put on your intellectual thinking cap and be like, hmm, this person. Like Nancy Pelosi's portfolio tracker? <laughs> yeah, what is uh, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, I, I the greatest wanted, hedge fund manager of all time? I wasn't going to mention it, but yes. And then, you know, a big thing that I see, I just listened to a podcast the other day with, it was about Bitcoin Beach. And um, people were discussing it and there were liberals, you know, the socialists on the left, the people on the right, you know, kind of discussion. And people were, it was really weird to listen because, again, I'm going to use the word ignorance. People have this ignorance of how private property rights work. And I like to compare Bitcoin to private property rights. You know, our country was founded on that people would come here and everyone came here for this reason in the beginning, that if you came here, you could own a piece of it. You get to be a personal owner of it, a lot like Bitcoin, right? You get to own, you get to own your own piece of it. You can be part of the 21 million club. It just, it was the deal. What's happened now is you get people that are hijacking this on the socialist side. And my, this is my opinion only. They're saying, well, technically you own the Bitcoin, but it's, you have a duty to share it with all of us. And I listen to this person talk about this and how, you know, it, to me, they're trying to explain capitalism without saying capitalism. You know, if we bring the people that have the money to a certain location, they'll spend the money on technology, on the local people, on the economy. The economy will grow because they brought the wealth. That's capitalism. That's how it works. It's literally trickle-down capitalism. Everyone else gets wealthy around the people that come in, but they don't want to acknowledge it, and they want to say, well, it's more socialism or more you know, progressivism where you're going to share your net worth with me. Well, the whole what I, don't, what I have a problem with is you know, it's just like medical school. You go to medical school, you know what they call the anchor man? Or the anchor man's the guy with the lowest GPA. Um, when they graduate, doctor. you know what they call? Doctor. They call him doctor. So the guy with the highest GPA that paid attention, who busted his ass, who sacrificed, who didn't go drink beer, who didn't party, who didn't do any of those things, he, he still called a doctor just like the other guy. Now you get into like this, you know, uh, communist, socialist agenda we got going on, and they want to pay everybody the same now. Everyone should get paid the same. So the guy at the bottom that's the anchor man that, you know, drank his way through his frat and partied and did his whole deal, and then the guy who busted his ass and studied and actually gets it and is a high-quality student, where is the initiative for the guy on the top to be great in that system? Why, why be great when you're not rewarded for it? And the only way for us to continue forward is to reward great people for great accomplishments. And the great example of that to me is Elon Musk. You know, this guy is, Ooh, no, started out. No, nah, I know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you, know, you look at him, he's here. He's here in Texas. He has boosted our economy. People are bitching about him. You know, and I love this whole Warren 
thing with them, Elizabeth Warren and Musk. Oh yeah, that's great. Him for paying taxes. If you look at if if he takes every option on his stock options, he's going to pay more taxes than any human being in existence in one year. In one year, you know, let that sink in, right? It's it's hard to believe, but he those taxes, you know, although I believe taxes theft, those taxes are going to go to you know the state to the federal government. It's going to greatly benefit everybody. If you look at Elizabeth Warren, she paid like, I, I don't have the number right here, but I believe what I was reading is like $5,000 last year or some crazy amount. You know, this guy has paid billions in taxes. And you got this woman who lied about her Indian heritage, who lied on her college application, who lied to get into Congress. You know, the whole system, it, she like is her private like jets. the most corrupt. Yeah, yeah. She's like the most corrupt of all politicians. And on the flip side, we got Elon Musk talking about, you know, cryptocurrency. We have him accepting Bitcoin for things. You know, he's someone posted yesterday. They said um, they put the total net amount. I think it was twelve billion dollars that he had paid in taxes and said, I trust Elon Musk more with the twelve billion than I do the U.S. government. And, you know, it's crazy that that resonates. Like when when I read that, I'm like, yeah, me, too. I, I would rather him keep the twelve billion and reinvest it in the economy and keep us going, you know, than our own government. And man, just that, just the ability that uh, even a guy like me has that thought process, man, that's scary. That's scary that we have that much distrust in our government that we don't even trust them to manage, you know. And the government has a history of this financial mismanagement. If we uh, turned over all of the bordellos and whorehouses to the government, they'd bankrupt them in, you know, a week. Mm -hmm. It's just how the government works. They're inefficient. They find ways to commit fraud to, you know, just top to bottom. They well, there's, there's really no incentive for innovation and efficiency, right? Because they're not rewarded. They're rewarded for asking. You know, there's, yep. there's, there's no one saying, oh, you were really bold and courageous for this strategy. This really worked out great. I mean, how often do you hear that out of the government? Never. And so what it is, it's about not doing things. They want to not do things because they want to cover their ass. So they're just terrible capital capital allocators because there's no incentive for them to really improve and make monumental strides. It's more if something goes wrong, they want to cover their ass. Where if you're an entrepreneur, you know, they've got to either make it or they don't, you know, and that's uh and that's the deal. Yeah. Well, you this, know, gets, this gets oh, go ahead, Casey. Well, this gets into my district specifically where I'm running at. My opponent, he took a large sum of money from a nuclear waste plant as a campaign contribution. And then he railed against the nuclear nuclear waste plant in public. Well, there was a domestic violence bill that went unanimously through the House and Senate in Texas, which means everyone voted for it. It was going to become state law. And... This my opponent added a rider to the bill, which is a bill attached to it that also gets approved if the overall bill is approved. His rider was to give a tax break to that. Yeah, his rider was to give a tax break to that nuclear waste plant. So that nuclear waste plant now is not going to pay taxes anymore. They're a billion dollar industry. They have the only nuclear waste license in the state of Texas. So they have a monopoly on top of the monopoly. There's a pay-to-play scandal where my opponent 
was paid by them in campaign contributions. Now he cuts all their taxes. Well, Governor Abbott, to his credit, actually pays attention and reads bills. And he's like, what's this writer? He pulled it up. He read it. And he goes, well, I just want everyone in the state of Texas to know I'm vetoing the domestic violence bill because Brooks Lengraff added the writer to give the tax break. And it became public, but it was swept under the rug. No one talked about it. The news didn't jump on it. And it's a big deal. So I brought it up to people and I called them out at a forum on it. This is corruption 101. This is, you know, them paying as a lobbyist group to a politician for that politician to write legislation to benefit them financially in the future. And it's exactly what happened. There's a record of it. And this is where Bitcoin comes in. You know, if we had a way to show these transactions where you could go into, say, like my campaign contributions, right? And I'll, I'm very honest about campaign contributions. I'll tell you guys right now, like, I think I looked last night, I got $81 in Bitcoin donations since I started taking them on open node, which I'm grateful for, man. I, I even had a $1 Bitcoin donation. Mm, you know, that's better than nothing. More than that. Yeah, but then I get, I got like 20, I think 2,700 in campaign contributions. And it's so far, and I haven't really been asking for them, but people when they see political campaigns, they see corruption. They see, why should I, why should I participate, especially in the Bitcoin community? Why should I participate? And this is my slogan, my sell to them now that we're getting on board and talking about it. It's an investment. You're not, you're investing into the future of our country, the future of Bitcoin. And if we don't take the fight to, you know, on Bitcoin side, there's a war going on, you know, make no mistake. If we do not take the fight on the, legal side and i say through legislation we're going to lose because right now what's happening is politicians that are corrupt already are realizing there's competition to their corruption they're, they're in jeopardy right now their their stranglehold for the last hundred years is starting to let up because something's squeezing in there so they're holding these committee meetings trying to figure out how they can fight it how they can circumvent this how they and you can't it's unstoppable it's a movement but what you can do is make it very difficult through legislation and start making things illegal, highly tax them, you know, prevent it be from becoming any type of competition. And we need uh, statesmen, not politicians. There, someone like myself that when I I'll get on, you know, and I'll make this pledge right now. If, if if I get elected, I will come back on your podcast on a regular basis, and you can ask me about this pledge. Hey, let's see some transparency. Tell us about who are the corrupt politicians. I'll name them. I'm not, nice. I go, I'm not going in. It's not a frat. I'm not going in there to be friends with them. I'm going in there to break it up. I'm going in there to destabilize it. And I want you guys to see the corruption. So you're basically putting in a uh, news reporter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a guerrilla reporter for you guys on the inside. And I'm going to tell you, look, this guy's corrupt. He's voting against this bill. This guy's holding it up in committee. This state senator, she's doing this. I'm going to tell you all the corruption because, you know, people say a lot, well, you got to work with people and make compromises. No, you don't. You do not have to compromise on the truth and integrity. If, you, if everyone was the same way and they were honest, you wouldn't have to compromise. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about political compromise here. We in the state of Texas, it made the news. We had the Democrats all jump on planes funded by Pelosi and everybody else fly to D.C. to prevent us having quorum in the state house to pass election integrity bills. We had the sergeant at arms. They authorized, you know, 
for these state senators and state house members to be arrested and brought back to Texas under state law. Well, they didn't end up coming back that way. What happened, they negotiated a compromise with our speaker of the house and some of the more, I want to be careful because they are elected Republicans, but they're, I like to call them Republicans in name only. They negotiated to decrease the penalty for election frauds in order to get the election bill passed. So now in Texas, instead of it being a felony to commit election fraud, it became a misdemeanor. Well, they all came back. We held for them. We passed the election integrity bill, which lowered the standard for punishment of the crime, you know, which is a complete oxymoron on election integrity. But then you take away the punishment that's the enforcement arm of it. So, you know, the elected officials thought they just got off like, oh, we look, we solved the problem, the PR, we got them to come back. We didn't arrest them. It's good for everybody. Everybody wins. No, not everybody won. And I'm trying not, I curse like a sailor. So I'm trying. Not no, that's to. fine. Uh, the, they brought them back here. They made the compromise. They reduced the penalties. Well, then the people of the state, just like those toxic Bitcoin guys, we have those people here. They're like, whoa, 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 hold on. You reduce the penalties. And then all of the legislators were like, oh my gosh, how could we have missed that? I didn't notice. Oh, you fucking noticed. You signed a goddamn bill. You said in the committee meetings, you approved it. So they got all this through and now they had to reverse action and hold a special session just for election integrity. And then they increased the penalties back because the people caught them. They caught them in this game. So this is where we need somebody that isn't part of the big boy club, that isn't part of the fraternity, that isn't part of the secret society, someone that is articulate, someone that is confrontational, someone that will call these people out. And I'm not afraid to do that. I mean, I, you probably see it here. I, I'm a direct individual. I get in people's faces. I call out the facts like, hey, look, here's what you did. Here's the factual evidence. Explain to me why I'm wrong or explain to me the, your perception of how this went wrong. Let's get to the bottom of it. And when you do that and you do it publicly, it stops the future corruption. And we need that. And this is where this leads into where uh, we spoke to, me and John spoke to or the gubernatorial candidate, uh, Don Huffines. And I spent a couple hours with him pitching him about Bitcoin and why it's important, why it's pure, why, what we could do here in the state of Texas. And my whole pitch is that here in the state of Texas, we need to make by law, by Texas state statute, it needs to become a Bitcoin citadel. You know, we need to make this like Puerto Rico or, you know, Bitcoin beach type of situation where we protect it by law. We make it a viable currency that, you know, or a system to pay anyway with assets, because I believe Bitcoin is an asset. I, I don't like specifically labeling it as a currency because it's not a competition to the U.S. dollar. It can actually be something that strengthens the U.S. dollar around the world. So we bring it in. We make it a citadel. We protect it by laws. We prevent all of these, uh, you know, like what the Democrats are trying to do in D.C. right now, tax the hell out of it and take everything that you worked hard for. You know what? You worked for that. It's your intellectual property. You made the moves at the right time. It's an asset that you own. And taxation is theft, and we need to protect that. We do that in the state of Texas, and me as a legislator, I push those laws, you know, and specifically we call it, you know, Texas's Bitcoin Citadel statute. 
what we do is we create a vacuum of Bitcoiners. They're going to leave Puerto Rico. They're going to leave other areas. They're going to come here because it's in the continental U.S. Texas is the greatest country in the United States. You know, we have great leaders here. We're going to bring them in. And this is where that capitalism comes into. Not crony capitalism. This is true capitalism. It trickles down. We bring these people here. They're going to be innovative. They're, we already know they're outside the box thinkers. We know they're going to invest in where they're safe at. So we need to give them, just like when the United States became a country, we were a beacon of light that everyone that knew about the U.S. wanted to come here. Why? Not just because it's beautiful. They wanted to come here because they were protected. They had rights. They could own land. Governments couldn't steal from them. You know, what they had was theirs. They had, an, a, you know, the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. I want to digitally reset that here in Texas and give Bitcoiners the same thing. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness without the threat of government coming down on them. And states have the ability to do that. You know, we have federal government. The Constitution was not set to have the federal government in charge. States were supposed to have their own rights. They were the ones in charge of their borders, their areas. The government had very limited rights to do anything, and that was to protect the borders and protect anything that a conflict between the states. And that's where it should stay. We need to reduce the federal government. We need to increase states' rights. So naturally, there's going to be states like California, and they're going to be non-Bitcoin friendly. They're going to say, hey, you owe us 70% of your net worth. How much Bitcoin do you have? Give it to us. That's their program on everything. That's why everyone's left California. Corporations have left there. People have left there. But that's fine. Let them have that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm supportive of that. Let them have purple hair. Let them have, you know, gender neutral sports, whatever they want. I'm cool with that. Do your thing. Steal people's money. Because the people that want to have purple hair, the people that want to steal your money, and the people that are cool with socialism will go there. And they can have their socialistic ideal of utopia in California. And let's wait and see how that plays out. Now, in the meantime, when it doesn't work out for them, there's going to be great states like Montana, Wyoming, Texas that are opened up and they're going to be like, Hey, look, I tried my hand at socialism. I'm going to go switch over and try some capitalism. And people are coming to Texas every day. They get here and they're like, Holy shit. I don't got to wear a mask. People are respectful to me. People like that. I'm here. People wave at me. People say, sir, people open the door for me. This is a place to be. And we need to keep it that way. If we don't start right now with protecting those rights and keeping it, what we're going to have is an influx of these people come here. And I say this all the time. Don't California, my Texas. And most recently with the New York laws, don't New York, my Texas, you know, let those people have their experiences come here. But when you come here, come here, knowing this is freedom. This is a stronghold. And we want you here. We want everyone here, but we want people that believe in freedom. Don't bring your, your socialism. Don't bring your communism here. We, we won't accept it. It's not welcome. Go somewhere else where it is. And this is why I believe so strongly in those states' rights. Let these states that want that, New York's, California's, let them do it. Let them experience that. Let them experience how that system works. And then let us experience capitalism. And let's let time play out just like Bitcoin. Let's let from 2010, the Satoshi effect, let's let it, let's let it go for 11 years and see how it plays out. I guarantee you in 11 years, you're going to be talking on that mic from the state of Texas and you can interview us in person instead of over the internet.
The, well, Texas that, that is was my well said, Casey. The, Texas is my my uh, fallback. Um, <laughs> I was like, if Pennsylvania goes, I told my wife, that's that's. I'd love it to be a coastal, you know, like something like North Carolina, South Carolina. Like I love the beach, and I know there's some. You know, on the Gulf there or whatever, but yeah, I, I told my wife. I said, if if uh, I mean where we're moving to, I just like posted on Twitter. I found out where our new house is. Um, if I have a quarter tank of gas, I should stop to get gas because I might not make it to a gas station from the driveway. Whereas where I live now, it's like five minutes down the road, two minutes it's, down the road. I can choose which that? gas station I want. What's where that? is it? Uh, it's no, no. It's in Pennsylvania, uh, outside of Pittsburgh. And like the rural, you know, just you're, like, hey, man, you're I'm just giving you advice. You're doing it wrong. man. if, if Texas isn't your plan, a <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Well, I wouldn't Texas. expect you to say it any other way. Right. <laughs> no, but we, we 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 welcome you. We want you here. We want you to be part of the solution. So I get it that people are loyal to the state they're in. But man, everything's bigger here in Texas and, and including freedoms. Well, it's funny too because um, uh, one of my business partners was out in LA, and he'd been there for like ten years. Now, granted, he's from Texas originally, um, but LA got so bad that him and his husband moved back to Texas, away from California, because California has become just a complete shit show, and uh, you know everything's falling apart out there. You know, you couldn't do anything. And he was like, Texas, it's as if he's like, when we landed here, it was like, as if COVID didn't even happen. He was like, it was just back to life as normal. Um, and he was actually recruiting me when we were uh, buying, he kept sending me houses like near his neighborhood. And I was like, damn, those are really good looking houses. Like I, we, you know, we could, I kept showing my wife like, Hey, look at that. We could go down to Texas. Uh, but I, I mean, you know, it's they've, just, they've probably said people in Texas were have been more kind to them too. I'd imagine. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And that, that's, and that's a, the funniest part. That's the funniest part. You know, I moved down here, and there's just like because I was living in Seattle before, and you know, um, it, there's just this Seattle? tension. But no, I'm from Montana originally, so okay. you know, I, I have you know, Montana is very similar to Texas, so this this feels like home to me. You know, it's it's kind of a very libertarian ethos there. People believe in hard work and they believe in, you know, just like Casey talks about honesty and doing the right thing. So coming to Texas has been a breath of fresh air, but just getting here in Seattle, it just feels heavy. People just seem depressed and angry at each other. And like everyone's focused on each other's skin color. And I get to Texas and everyone, you know, different skin colors is just getting along just fine. Like nothing's going on. It's almost like the less we focus on it and just focus on, you know, people being people and other human beings, all that kind of goes away. You know, so it's uh, leaving Seattle, man, getting down here has been a breath of fresh air for me and my family. That's for sure. I don't know if you guys have seen that. And meme. I, uh, I was just going to say, have you seen that meme of uh, I call it a mime? Jesus. You know, the meme where <laughs> uh, where the um, the school, there was a school that actually made um, the play. It, said, it had a sign that said the playground. It was colored family playground night. Right. Yeah. They like actually it was a real thing. And then the meme was like they had like a KKK person there and it said the leader of the KKK has decided to stand um that they're going to disband because they're no longer needed. Like all their (laughs) the progressive did all the the work for them. We've gone back to segregation. It's insane. It's it's absolutely insane. 
yeah it's it, people well, are so accepting down there you know like they're just that's what my, my, my business to, uh, like i said he's obviously it, you know he's for you know he's he's i'm like outing him but i guess he's gay and you know he and i don't that he's like it doesn't even doesn't even register you know people don't even bother like it it's not a thing right they just people just want to live their life they want to raise their family live their life and they're decent to each other that's the way things should be you know and he was like he couldn't afford they were they want to start a family and he was like we can't afford it now that we're in texas we can afford to and i was like yep you know that's that's freedom right so there. me and me and john went to a bitcoin block party down in austin and you know i was dressed like this right here and john's dressed like that and uh we're walking around at this thing and you know there's people in net worth of billions of dollars just turning around in this little dirt area with food vendors and the food vendors were all set up to only take payment through lightning network so to get oh, nice. food you had to pay with bitcoin or you know it it was really cool to see and you know i'm from texas my whole life and i was the i was the one people are looking at funny because i'm dressed you know i call it texas casual cowboy hat and a, <laughs> you know i usually wear a three-piece like a vest and a tie but uh, John's dressed like this. Uh, people are looking at me and kind of funny. I felt awkward just because I was the different one. And I'm from Texas. It's, that's how much Austin has changed with everyone coming in from all over the place. But it's, it's welcoming. Like, we're, we welcome everybody here. Like, we want you to come here. And, you know, my, I'm a little different because, you know, I grow up on a ranch and different stuff. Like, I want to see you come here and citadel i want you to buy a piece of land and buy cattle and i want you to have a horse and it's just part of texas you know if you come here and you buy a, a horse for you and your family and some cows like i got a lot more re respect like i'm gonna you know just saying you know it's, it's like the texas yeah. thing come here and you don't have to but it's cool people are doing it and i love the ones that talk about citadel in here because you know to be that you know, it takes me back to when I think of Texas, I think about the Alamo. I think of the Wild West of driving cattle through areas. And who were those people? Those people were the innovators. They were the ones that were willing to take a risk. They were the ones that were going into unknown, unchartered area to, for a better way of life. And that's Bitcoiners. That's what Bitcoiners are. They're coming here in this uncharted area. They're making a better life for themselves. And in doing that, they're making the place they land at better places. They're mm -hmm. investing in the local areas. And this is, it, it just, it's history repeating itself on a grander scale, in my opinion. And I love it. I, I love what's happening. I love the, where it's going. But from my, I guess, my selfish angle, I'm a bit more caught up in the diplomacy and the politics side, because if we don't do this as a double-edged sword there are the people that want to take advantage politically of the situation and they're going to if we don't protect what we have and we just blindly say you know and it's cool i hear bitcoiners all say like why why do we need to invest in politics why do we need to care because if you don't the other side is going to and this is a war and when you say why do i need to invest in my standing armies look at the way that wars have been fought over the centuries the countries that took it seriously, invested in armies and invested in training, they carried on. They, they survived. The ones that didn't, they were overtaken because utopia doesn't exist and it never will. 
with the way human nature is. You know, there's always going to be the bad guy. There's the good, the bad, you know, there's the evil. And this gets into that whole idea of like wolves and sheepdogs protecting the flock. You know, the flock can grow, but if you don't have someone to protect the flock, people are going to be getting picked off. Things are going to get picked off. It's not going to just grow in utopia. And this is where the political side, we need to have our people. I'm not saying find people that have nothing to do with Bitcoin and just put them in office. Find Bitcoiners. There's got to be people that care enough like I do that give a shit that will give up their time. And you got to keep in mind, this is the one thing people, I hear this all the time. Oh, you know, people are in politics for money. I like, because you probably don't know, Corey. How much do you think a Texas legislator gets paid? Uh, like a hundred grand. Six hundred dollars a month. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you. So I'll get. It, I'll unless, get so you're not lying in your. So so you're screen. so you're just doing it for the money, Casey. Yeah. I want. I want. Um. I'm. I'm doing it for a subsidy to pay for my gas. I guess. <laughs> you know fuck it, it it's $600 a month but I'm not complaining I don't want it to be more I yeah. want it to stay I mean shit it, it, I'd say make it less make it for, work for free but the $600 idea came about in the state to pay for people to travel from their districts to the state capital to be able to pay for the travel and uh, you know does it pay for it probably not you, put, you need more money than that I mean you can't pay pay for one airline ticket for that you know a return trip type of deal but the reason i bring it up is this is not a job that is going to create net wealth this isn't a job but what it does do it attracts people that are corrupt because those corrupt people can use those policies and the pay-for-play schemes to get rich to make up that money they're not making or we can get people that are already have net wealth they can volunteer them times like I am. I have my own money. I'm not rich. I'm lower middle class. You know, I'm retired from the military. I get a pension and, you know, it's not a great pension. You know, it's, but it's survivable. I can live on it. I'm not homeless. My, I got six kids. I can afford my six kids and a wife on my pension. This is something that my wife thinks I'm crazy for doing it because one, it costs about $100,000 in debt and loans for us to be able to do this run. And then if I don't get elected, then I'm just paying off loans that I took out to run for office, which is crippling to a family like ours. But my investment is into the future, the future of my family, the future of my state, and the future of Bitcoin. I believe that I'm doing this for the right reasons. And I'm asking people to not in donate. I'm asking people to invest in me, invest in our state, and invest in our future of Bitcoin by donating to me. You know, invest that money in me and trust that I will do these things right. And I'll give my pledge to every single person that donates, you know, that my cell phone number isn't going to change. I'm not going to change. You can call me 24-7 if you're a toxic Bitcoiner and you want to wake me up at 4 a.m. to discuss policy. Do it. I'm taking this office so you can do that. I'm taking this office so that you can call me on your time. I'm not going to be the guy that says, hey, it's family time. Hey, I'm sleeping. You call me, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to talk to you. We can go over policy. We can go over what the future is. I'll come to meetings. I'll fly to DC to protest the federal government on what they're doing to our state. We have a governor elect. Hopefully he gets elected. 
maybe even if we keep the one we have, he has some decent Bitcoin policy so far, you know, whatever it is, but we need guys like me to run for office that are going to have unquestionable integrity that are going to fight for you. That is going to answer the phone. That is going to, you want a meeting? Hey, I'm in the state capitol at this time. Walk in. You know, I got to sit in the waiting room. Come in. Let's go grab lunch. Let's go grab some brisket and, you know, talk about this. It's Texas. Let's take a, a take, take a pedicab and listen to, you know, rap music by our good friends, John. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love it. No, no, I was talking. I was talking about that. Uh, the pedicab guy, our friend down in Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pedicab guy. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was the most friend. interesting cab ride I think I've ever had. Well, me and my friends put it like a, we put like 1200 pounds in a pedicab one time and the guy actually like okay. our bodies we were doing the math we over here. Okay. no go ahead i think there was a lag there go ahead, go ahead case oh sorry i lost yeah no no i was bringing up that guy he's a bitcoiner and me and john rode from one bitcoin meeting to another one in a pedicab and uh, got to listen to some of his Bitcoin rap music. And, uh, yeah, oh, he, nice. uh, he also rasps like about that, conspiracy man. theories. I, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life and died. That's awesome. So you're so you're going to be the uh, toxic state legislator. You'll be a I will for, be. you'll be the toxic Bitcoin maxi. Um, I do like the fact you know. So just full disclosure, um, I have given up on believing in any politicians personally because i was just like i recognized a long time ago i would tell people you know whether it was bush or obama i was like has your life changed day to day at all and it hasn't but they might think it has it depends on their perception but things in the on the macro have gotten much worse um Mm -hmm. and so i i will but i will say this that you know whenever i saw politicians jumping on bitcoin I was like, some people are going to jump on just to try to snag some votes. Um, but nope. I'll give you credit because that does not sound like you. That does not sound like what no, you're trying I'll, to do. I'll, I'll make a campaign promise right now. Like, I will publish my open node donations weekly. If that's what, you know, maybe I should just start doing that anyway, just for clarity so that people see. It doesn't show who donates, but it shows the amount. And, you know, I'll be open about campaign costs. Hey, look, signs are going to cost me. 20 grand right now i just got a quote today about paying for the signs to put out mm-hmm. you know the commercials cost me you know going out the i don't need money for my personal things you know but i'm billing for like signs i gotta walk blocks i gotta do all this stuff I'm, you know it's this stuff gets expensive quick and it's i'm looking at uh spending i need about two hundred fifty thousand dollars to win this election for all the campaign materials, like mailers out, um, TV commercials, radio ads, all of that stuff. It ain't cheap. And, you know, people don't have to invest. If you don't want to invest and you just want to gamble and hopefully it all works out, you know, that's some people do that. We could just all sit back, but I'm not willing to do that. I'm investing in my own campaign. I'm investing my time, my family's time, my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health into this. You know, I'm, I'm a disabled veteran. I got a lot of medical issues and it, I go to bed every night, just feeling like I got hit by a Mack truck 
from walking around, but it's worth it. I'm not complaining. I'm telling you, I'm willing to make those sacrifices for everybody to make this a better place. So if you guys have anyone listening to this, you hear this, you want to contact me and you got, you want to, me to do something, a campaign promise, you know, I'll sign it on a piece of paper. I'll do it. I'm, I'm a straightforward guy. There's no benefit here to, for anyone other than freedom and democracy, our constitution. That's who wins in this. And I just want to be a messenger of it. I want to be the, the, the runner for you guys. When we have a problem, I'm the one sending that message to the state house and saying, no, we're not doing that. The people don't want it. It's unconstitutional. It, you know, and, we don't have it right now. We simply don't have it. We don't have our own weapon of war to protect Bitcoin. We don't have our own people that are the advocates for it. You know, we have them in the community, but I'm talking about advocates in the state houses. And I don't like the word politician. I'd prefer if you called me a statesman. And uh, that's what I want to be. I want to be a representative of the people. I want to be a statesman. I never want to be referred to as a politician because I'm not going to sugarcoat and bullshit you. I'm going to tell you the hard truths. And if it hurts your feelings, so be it. You're going to fucking get over it. But you need to hear the hard truths of what's happening and what's going down in the state house of legislation so that we can take those hard truths. We can set on them, think, digest them, and then decide a course of action forward, a solution if you will, a citizen solution moving forward. And we don't get that right now. We get the, you know, I joke, you know, shaking babies, kissing hands thing. You know, <laughs> we get the, the, the people that are out there holding babies. Look at me, you know, shake your hand. Yeah, I promise I'm going to do this. And John, as a witness, I approached a, I'm not going to name this person, but I approached a politician and I said, my fear from you is that you're going to take all of my ideas and you're going to exploit them as your ideas. And then you're going to forget who I am. And you're going to say, Oh, I don't pretend you don't know me after you rip the whole idea to use it for a political benefit to yourself. He said, you know, he assured us I would never do that. That's not something I would ever do. I'm a man of God, you know, la, 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 you know the whole thing. And then he did exactly what I feared he was going to do. But, you know, I'm just telling you, there's those people out there. I'm not going to be direct. I'm, I'm okay with people taking, if it, let's say Bitcoin specific, if I give anybody an idea and I talk to them and I recruit them into, you know, and this isn't a cult, this is our movement. I recruit them into purity. I recruit them into, you know, our side of things, believing that we can make this move forward. If they use that, for the benefit of the movement, I'm cool. I don't need to be recognized for that. That's a positive thing forward. And that's what I've been doing. You know, I spent, there's a congressional candidate running and another state rep candidate. I've spent hours convincing them, giving them books. So like I, you know, I have them right here on my desk, you know, the sovereign individual. Um, this isn't specifically, but it's good to know, you know, the price of tomorrow mm -hmm. by Jeff and uh, another one, this is more of just business stuff that I, you know, tell people is read this book confidential by John Nolan. You know, I, I tell guys, use these tools that you have, read these books, re watch, you know, get up every morning. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll break you guys into my morning life. I get up at 6am. I throw my ear pods in and I turn on Michael Saylor and start listening to him talk about Bitcoin. I listen to Jeff Booth. I, I just go in and 
I, you know, you can pretend that you know everything in life, that you got a solid grasp on what Bitcoin is, your idea of it. But I believe you should always be a student. You should always listen to other people's per- perspectives on things. And man, I learned so much. I, I'm like, man, I didn't think of this specific aspect of what this guy's talking about. And it goes back to the original thinking. All of the people involved in Bitcoin are outside the box thinkers. They're intellects. And man, when I just like to hear them talk, you know, I just like hearing them go over things that, you know, they don't have to be my ideas, but if they have ideas that are beneficial, yeah, I'm going to add those to my repertoire of what I know and understanding and analogies. And that's what makes it great. No one owns it. No one owns the idea of Bitcoin. It's a community program. Everybody can own a piece if they decide to own a piece, but it it's dedicated internally, right? To the people that own it, that can check it. To, it's, a, it's got a verification process, if you will, every single time, right? And that's what I every love about it. Every 10 minutes. So, <laughs> I love explaining to the non-Bitcoin people every 10 minutes, you know, going out to 21 million that we're not even going to be alive anymore type of thing. And the, just the doubters and even my parents, you know, my parents are highly invested in gold, silver. And um, I sit them down and I explain to them what depreciation is, debasing of their currency, debasing of even gold. And I explain to them, you know, how the inflation's going, deflation, how it affects the money, their, their wealth, they believe they have. And man, they get scared. They're like, what, what do we do? And I'm, I'm like, do you not listen to me? I'm telling you the future. I'm not telling you to sell everything or get rid of it all, but diversify, have real estate, have Bitcoin, have gold, you know, have, if you want dollars, have dollars, not, not for me, but you know, don't, the weight of your investment shouldn't be in the dollar. And I explained to them how buying power decreases every year. You know, your left and your right, like I started with, and how inflation takes away that buying power. And eventually, if you sit on that buying power for 10, 20 years, you're going to have lost a large portion of your what you perceive your net worth being. So you have an opportunity. And we had a, a, a space yesterday on Twitter where someone questioned me about, well, what about the ultra poor? What about people that can't afford Bitcoin? There's no such thing. It doesn't exist in this community. And the proof of that is my open note account. I got a $1 donation on Bitcoin. You can buy $1 of Bitcoin, right? And I told a, a lawyer that was on there, he was, he's the one that brought it up. And I go, hey, man, you don't need those fucking venti Starbucks cups you drink every day. You know, take your, your $5, $10 you're investing in them, put it, buy Bitcoin every day. For the rest of your life, if you spent that, you're going to be wealthy on that investment alone because of the way Bitcoin increases in value. So everyone has a chance to participate and donate or donate. I don't say donate to themselves, but to the cause, but to invest in themselves with Bitcoin, invest your money in it, hold it and watch it grow. It's, you know, we've seen what happened in the last 10 years, 10, 11 years, right. One on 12. And another guy, an economist argued with me in the same group. And uh, he told me that Bitcoin was just like the housing bubble. It was a bubble that was going to pop and we were all going to lose everything. And 
I told him, I was like, well, you want to make a personal bet with me? And he's like, yeah, I'll make a personal wager. And I was like, I'll bet you two pizzas that you're wrong. You know, and mm-hmm. anyone that has Bitcoin understands the symbolism of that. And it's, I wish What's I had about had $10 billion dollars for- worth of pizza. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wish I had that, that Bitcoin he paid for those pizzas with. Yeah. What you was know, it? 10,000 Bitcoin, which, yep. you know, you add four zeros to the price of Bitcoin today. Jesus. That's like a $50 million. <laughs> well, and that's why when we were, when me and John were at that uh, Bitcoin block party and we were paying for tacos in Bitcoin, I just think like, here we are repeating history repeats itself. Sometime me and John are going to be kicking back, dying, laughing how much we paid for those damn tacos with the lightning network. <laughs> oh yeah. <It's> absolutely true. <laughs> Uh, well, Casey, John, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I mean, this is this is a great rip, um, and I think we should do this again because because uh, you know hopefully we'll get you in the Texas and uh, and you'll be in the Senate and you'll be or wait you gonna be House of Representatives or Senate? Like I said, my civics teacher's gonna kill me. House of Representatives. I'll be a a Texas legislator in the Texas House of Representatives for House District 81. And, um, you know, I'll selflessly plug this here. I need and I am asking humbly for your investment in my campaign. Anyone who is willing to make an investment in Bitcoin and our future, our country, I humbly ask that you do invest in me and believe that that investment will, just like Bitcoin, reap rewards that are unimaginable. Yeah, yeah, just to, just to piggyback on that, guys, as a longtime Bitcoiner, I, I personally believe that Bitcoin is inevitable. On a long time frame, 7,500, 200 years, Bitcoin wins. It's a better system, right? But to Casey's point, this corrupt system that's currently in place, they want to do anything they can to stop it, right? And so we, we need Bitcoin. We need champions within government. We need champions that are going to move this movement forward. And Casey's one of those guys, man. I've had a, I've had you know a long time with him now, and I and I'm telling you, he embodies the Bitcoin ethos. So as a community, we need to get behind him. And so anything we can do, Casey, just uh, just let me know, man. Awesome. Uh, where can they follow you guys and let you know? Give everybody a handoff where they can uh, where they can see, check out you know your campaign and everything else. So everything on me is gray G R A Y for Texas. So my website is grayfortexas.com. My Twitter is grayfortexas.com. My Instagram is grayfortexas.com. My Facebook is grayfortexas.com. So um, my phone number is 432-212-6049. And my email address is C is gray, C-G-R-A-Y at grayfortexas.com. Is that your and cell phone? Opened, you just gave your cell phone out. Yeah, that's my personal cell phone. It's out there. So uh, my, uh, I'm doxing myself here. My uh, open node link is on my webpage. If you go to my webpage in the donation tab, it, there's a button that says donate in Bitcoin right there. And if a requirement to donate to me is you want me to personally screenshot my open node every seven days, have someone, you only got to say it, request it and it's done. I have nothing but transparency for people. And I'm more than happy to disclose everything that's happening, my expenses on my campaign. And I think it'd be healthy, actually, for 
the everyday person to see how shitty it is to run for office. I mean, it's horrible, you know, and financially it's a, it's just a train wreck of costs, what it costs. So I'm, I'm happy to be transparent. And if anyone, one person has to ask, tell me what you want. I'll do it. Awesome. Awesome. And John, where can they check you out at? Yeah, Corey, thanks for having me, man. Had a blast. So uh, I won't give as much detail. I'm going to remain a little more private than that. You can follow me on Twitter. My handle is just Bitcoin Unites Us. Um, and I'm also a writer and contributor to Bitcoin Magazine. So you can find me at Bitcoin Magazine. And your event, your VC firm, you want to plug it? It is 21. It is 21 Sovereign Capital. So yeah, if you're an entrepreneur and you're working on decentralized uh, solutions on top of Bitcoin layers, we're very interested in DeFi on Bitcoin. We're very interested in immutable social media. So if you have something, I'd love to catch up. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and I look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Thanks. See you, Casey. Thank you for the time. Yep. Thank you, guys.